Yes, welcome, welcome, welcome. Show that comes to you once a week, getting you ready for the Hollywood week to come, recapping the Hollywood week that was. This is MMO Weekly, hashtag MMO Weekly, hashtag MMOW. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co host, Mike One. This is co host, also Mike. Also, Mike here, hot takes at the ready. Uh, looked like a thin week. Yeah. And yet. I think when we prepared this episode, it ballooned, the document ballooned. As it usually does. <laughs> and we got a lot of uh, fun things to talk about. Dark Phoenix box office, some yeah. new movies. I don't know if that's fun. The Tonys <laughs> right off the bat here. So yeah, that was lot, fun. A lot of things happening. Yeah, so let's get into it, Michael. Yeah, it's what we're watching. Thank you. What did we watch this week? I watched The Dead Don't Die. This is Jim Jarmusch's zombie movie. It's way too slow. Yeah. Some jokes work once, but they, they try to make them work five times each. Oh, no. Which is a problem, but they're kind of funny. The performances are really weird, though. Bill Murray, when like he gets animated, is a lot of fun. Is there any like legs for an Oscar push for him from this? Absolutely not. Oh, uh, Chloe Sevigny's character is really bad. I, I was upset with that. I don't know what's going on with Tilden Swinton's character. I still don't. Well, that's a question that could be asked. Not about the character, but about the person. The person in general, <laughs> yeah. We're introduced to a bunch of characters played by big name actors and actresses like Selena Gomez, and then there's like no payoff for those characters either. Overall, I'm not a huge fan. It was an amusing watch, I will say. If you love Jim Jarmusch movies, okay, fine. I mean, there's goods there, but I don't know why he had to tell a zombie story. Like, I don't know why that was necessary. Like, this is pretty much another zombie movie. Yeah, you seem to be in step from the reviews I've seen. People weren't crazy about it. IMDb right now says it's a 5.7 on 1,500 reviews. So. Yeah, about right. Yeah, it's it's a movie, I guess. It's a movie, like you like to say. <laughs> Gloria Bell, this was fun. This was Julianne Moore's midlife crisis movie where she just dances and So it was fun because it was good? It was fun because it was pretty good. I mean, oh. director Sebastian Lelio, he's he's incredible. Disobedience, fantastic woman. He's done some good stuff. As I started to say, Julianne Moore, great job acting while dancing, or whilst dancing, yeah. I think a critic would say. Right. And I think she's got a, you know, I don't know where she's going to fall. Is it the Charlize Theron territory from last year's Tully? Is it the Ethan Hawke territory from, you know, last year's First Reform that had legs during award season? You know, we've seen these early releases get a chance at at least critical awards down the line. Gloria Bell. I was thinking the whole time, Bell Canto. In my head, right. I was like, "Oh, that's good. That's surprising." No, but yeah, it's Gloria Bell. <laughs> Gloria this Bell. makes sense now. I've heard good yeah, things. Yeah, critically Bell. acclaimed. I mean, it's a strangely addictive film. Definitely a feminist statement. Like we've said, the void of midlife crisis movies for sure. women is definitely there, and this one fills it a little bit. So kudos to all involved. I thought it was really strong filmmaking and some Oscary elements. I just wonder if it's going to get the attention at the end of the day. So the last two years, we've had pretty heavily contested actress categories at the Oscars. Yeah. This year, we're in June. We haven't really seen... Have we had anyone break out yet? She's to... up there on my list right now. Yeah. I mean, Lupita Nyong'o is a standout Right, for me. she's been one. Yeah. Without question, she's been probably the headliner so far from us, but does she have any competition? Brie Larson? I don't know. No, not yet. Yeah, I don't, I don't think, think so. so either, so... 
I also watched The Girl in the Spider's Web, I finally. I almost hit play on this last night, but I watched the Tonys instead. Yeah, probably a good move. Uh, <laughs> nothing in here that made the Fincher film or the Millennium book series or the Swedish miniseries on it all. Nothing in here that really stood out to me that put you know added to that. And, and that's a shame because I like Claire Foy. Does a nice job. Yeah. I just don't like the Elizabeth character in this. That's a shame. Does some brilliant things, but it's like cliched brilliant things. Like, oh, she played chess as a child. She was good at chess as a child. That means she's smart. And then, <laughs> of course, it? the anta- I played a lot of chess as a child. <laughs> <laughs> then the antagonist is just right there for the shooting. And she doesn't do it. And she's like this vigilante who's not afraid to pull the trigger. And yet... You but know, isn't, didn't the preview suggest that the... Isn't there some kind of sibling between the two of them? Yeah, but the other guy could be shot. <laughs> the guy who's on a murderous rampage. Oh, so there's a different antagonist. Shoot him rather than he comes after us seconds later after he wakes up. I see. That's All right. A, it's just action movie idiocies, in my opinion. And I, I think the movie suffers from that. I'm a little upset with Fidi Alvarez, who's done a couple of good movies thus far. Uh, yeah, that may be the nail in the coffin for that series, too, that he did there. Because uh, that, that, talk about bad box offices, which we're going to when we get into the box office update. But this this movie was supposed to be the next chapter in the Girl With series, and it's just not... Yeah, I think that's it. I think they're not going to come bounce back from it. I think the new book sold well because the old books were so good, and then everybody's like, all right, well, maybe this new version of Lisbeth will work. You know, it's a, become a James right. Bond thing. Absolutely not. I, it just doesn't have... She, doesn't and have we it. love Claire Foy, too. Damn it. Yeah. And she's good to, in this. Yeah. I wanted to break out. Yeah. Come on. Finally, I watched a lot of sports this week. We're going to talk about this throughout yeah. the uh, the segment. NBA Finals, uh, we have Kawhi going up 3-1 with the Raptors there. I'm so bummed out about this. Not because I'm a Warriors fan You're at Celtics all, fan. but I'm a Celtics fan. I just I, he's supposed, Kawhi's supposed to go to L.A. He's supposed to be out of my life. Yeah. And now I'm looking facing down the barrel of seeing him in the same division for the next five years. Because when I watch these games... I am rooting for Toronto. It's it's like just an instinct. It's a right. Well, you want I the underdog. I want the underdog. Right. I want the new team to get it. I want Kawhi to get another one. I want. I kind of want him to stay because I want that for Toronto. <sighs> I've been there once and I like the city. And everybody, I've never been there, but everyone says the city is outstanding. It's great. Right. It's it's fantastic. Uh, UConn was playing up there, and the family took a trip years ago to watch a college football game. But I want him gone. And I want that whole <laughs> franchise to crumble. <laughs> It'd be better for my franchise, which is what matters. It's only happened once before, 3-1, uh, LeBron James. I yeah. Know. Hey, this could happen because Durant could come back at some point. It doesn't look good, though. It doesn't look we're good. We're recording this Monday, and the game's happening soon, so we're going to look like doofs if uh, something well, crazy Hopefully happens. I'll get this out. Hopefully you'll be listening to this at some point Monday before the game. Before the game. A little yeah. pregame action going <laughs> yeah, on. Pregame preview from Mike Mike and Oscar movies. Uh, do they win tonight? Is it over, you think? I think they're going to win by 20, yeah. I think they're going to win big, but I don't know. God, I hope not. It's hard to underestimate the Warriors. Uh, I also watched UFC's 238, uh, Cejudo Moraes, and Mike, this was pretty incredible. What what a performance by Cejudo. He's he's now got belts, two belts in the 135 and 125. Great fight, crazy. It was going to be a five-rounder, and they just had such an insane pace early on, just beating the crap out of each other. How do they do that? I would take one leg kick to my shin, and I would be done. Oh, I would wave them off. Absolutely. And I would go, yeah. <laughs> 
a Peter Griffin style. That would be it. You know, he could just hit me with a toe, like his hardened toe. Sure. From oh my god, that's, I'd be done. That's how I feel about every time I watch the NFL. Like I, I, you know, I take one tackle, I get up, I take my helmet off, put it on the ground, and I just slowly walk out of the stadium. Yeah. Would you want the Incredible Hulk music to play? No, no, I don't have any shame. I'd be like, That's, I'm good. I get it. One was enough. So was the was the whole card good? I heard couple, some experts say the card was great. There, right. but I didn't watch anything. Yeah, I, I just watched the, the main card. I didn't watch any of the prelims I got you. Okay. necessarily. Because I guess they got prelims card and main card, but I watched Cowboy. That was a, that was a great fight. Oh, was that the until, same pay-per-view? Yeah. Cowboy played a guy who's crazy, <laughs> literally. Yeah. Poor guy. <laughs> well, poor, poor, poor wife. Jesus Christ, who just reporting that he's nuts. Just a crazy sport. Yeah. All right. Well, let's take the sports out of it. We'll do more about that in a second, as I you know, torture you. But see by skip the girl in the spider's web, Gloria Bell, and the dead don't die. Yeah, I, it's hard. I'm. I want to double skip, but I guess I would see the dead don't die again. Definitely buying Gloria Bell. I'm curious to rewatch that with my Oscar lens. Yeah, and then I think I'm skipping for sure. Uh, the girl in the spider's web. Yeah, depending on how that actress, ca- those actress categories stack up, we may be doing an OSP about uh, Gloria Bell sometime in the future. We'll sure. see. But what was the best thing you saw this week? Uh, it was the knockout. Before the Cejudo Moreas fight, <laughs> forget her name, but she's a great champion. My God, just like a drop kick to the face. Oh God! The girl wakes up and you can see her lips. I mean, we can't hear her, but she's like, "Did I get knocked out?" She woke up like five minutes later. Oh wow! Did Jeez, I get knocked please. out? I don't even remember it. And then they sit her down on a chair. Aww. Unbelievable! <laughs> Unbelievable! That sucks. <laughs> great right. for my entertainment. <laughs> sick i don't really watch these fights but now my brothers are all into it i used to be really into the ufc's got a star problem yeah uh, they really do because they their whole business uh is like running on people that can't defend their belts so they don't really get a chance to establish any superstars and then when they do they conor mcgregor and they become too big for the sport yeah. conor mcgregor ronda rousey all those people leave so who don't needs an acting coach i will say that yeah. everybody calls them cringe cringe factor or whatever and it's it's true like his post games his post fight speech was awkward and uh just yeah. not not a performer he needs paul Heyman. he needs paul Heyman. Yeah, he needs go. a promoter he needs yeah. uh he needs an acting coach he needs the guy from T- tootsie there the character <laughs> okay maybe not the real guy <laughs> that's a crossover everybody is looking for uh you watched a lot of contemporary stuff and a lot of recent stuff i didn't did a lot of family stuff this week did a lot of editing stuff this week so i haven't really had time to like well, watch some recent stuff did watch the tonys so i did watch the tonys that was the last second thing i, I switched off the food network on a sunday night and went oh. Oh to my the God. instead. So. Did you, were you full? <laughs> Did you fill that belly? I swear to God, I was like about to start. It was like a guy's, <laughs> it was a burger contest on guys' grocery <laughs> games. And I was like five minutes in and I was like, I guess I'll turn the Tonys on instead. I was, I don't regret it. Tonys were spectacular. Oh, good. Um, the Tonys are known, at least in my mind, for my money, apples to apples, they have the highest entertainment value out of any major award show because the opening number is always the greatest out yeah. of any award show. It puts the Oscars to shame. Well, uh, it's in their wheelhouse because they sure. do well on the stage. Right, and it is literally what Broadway is, performances and singing and dancing on the stage. James Corden did great. I still say the greatest opening number to any award show ever was what Neil Patrick Harris did on the Tony stage right. like four or five years ago, 2013, when he was talking about how Broadway does it bigger. Go watch that on YouTube. It's outstanding. But James Corden was, was great last night. He was great as a host. I mean, good. it's not hard to have a good host 
do these shows. Alicia Keys showed it last year with the Grammys. Yeah. James Corden did it last night at the Tonys. He was awesome. And every time they kept going back to him, it was like entertaining stuff. It wasn't like, you know, Ellen trying to get the best, most trending photograph on Throwing Twitter. hot dogs at an yeah. audience in gowns. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> going across the street to a movie theater and handing out popcorn. James Corden tried to have beef start between celebrities, random Broadway celebrities. Nice. And it ended up with Laura Linney getting into a fight with another... Uh, oh, I thought uh, there was a dance battle. No, no. It was, it was funny, though. It was oh. comedic. It was. It, it made me laugh. It was awesome. I guess in between, during commercials, Scott Feinberg was there, obviously, because he covers absolutely everything, he's and he's a, a machine. But he was there, and I was saw on his Twitter, James Corden was having different Broadway stars do karaoke with him nice. to keep the crowd into it and lively. So I don't understand why the Oscars think that having a host is so hard. It's not a difficult thing. It's not. You well, got to give some somebody a chance. Yeah, and, and just have them be an entertainer. So yeah, great hosting job there. Ali Stroker is a handy, capable person. She was the first ever person to win a Tony Award while confined to a wheelchair. What an inspiration. My God, that I have goosebumps during her oh, speech. Excellent. That was awesome. She's a part of Oklahoma, I guess. She won for Best Fe uh, Female Feature Performer in a Broadway play. She was Awesome, great speech. And then we followed up that segment immediately with a song from this Broadway show, The Prom, which was culminated in two female characters. I think they're two lead female characters. I don't know much about Broadway plays, obviously. Or but, proms. Yeah, or, <laughs> or being cool. Uh, <laughs> but they ended with the two female characters kissing, and it was, it was a love story about two. Equality was so permeated throughout every segment last huh. night at the Tony Awards. And it was just dripping with, for for whether it's race, sexuality, gender, it doesn't matter. And there was just no worry about encroaching on those religious or faux religious, people that use the, the religion as a, as a ways to persecute others. Like, it, there just wasn't a worry about that. There was just a worry and a concern with giving everyone equal opportunity and treating everyone equally. And it was just so beautiful and refreshing, at least to me. I know I'm a bleeding liberal heart, and I'm sorry for going on that pedestal, but it was really, really cool to see and really refreshing to see. Good. And we ended the night there with maybe the most political move was Brian Cranston, who won Best Actor, taking a shot at our commander-in-chief by saying that the, the media is not the enemy of the people. That was like the most controversial thing that happened last night. Well, that's refreshing, you know, in a way. Yeah. So, so good. So I want to talk about the tone for another hot minute here sure. in terms of the personnel, the movie personnel. Brian Cranston's Lots. about to do a uh, TV show about a judge and a movie about a cartoon gorilla. <laughs> Elaine May, Mike, hasn't acted in a feature film since 2000. Sam Mendes will direct the film 1917 yeah. World War One movie, which is currently in production. Ruth Wilson is in the new season of Luther, the first season of His Dark Materials on HBO. No movies on her schedule, but everybody wants the affair, the movie, I'm sure. But I heard Jeff Daniels was there as well. He I, was I, hilarious. He had his own moment uh, playing with James Corden. All right, Absolutely he's hysterical. doing the squid and the whale too, yep. I, I hear in my own brain. Uh, <laughs> Mike, are, out of all these options, are any of the other options that you saw that were there, the, the, the good folks that are all, you know, somehow versatile enough to do two mediums. Mike, and... it was chock full of movies. Like, nice. Michael Shannon, Denai Guerrera, uh, like I said, Laura Linney was there, Adam Driver was there, so many movie stars. So, I mentioned some winners yeah. from last night and some nominees. Who do you think is going to be in an Oscar-nominated movie next? I hope Cranston, mm -hmm. because now he's got the Emmy, and he's got the Tony. 
I said last night on Twitter, let's get a Walter White mixtape drop so yeah. we can go after a Grammy. But he could be our next EGOT, honestly. I mean, he could be on his way there. I'm happy he won. I'm a big Cranston fan. But I'm hoping... Why hasn't Brian Cranston had a big starring Oscar vehicle movie role right. yet? I know Trumbo was a couple years ago. He went for it a little bit with Trumbo. There. Yeah, but that was that's really been it, right? That's true. I think Wakefield was another movie that he was... That wasn't bad. For. I liked that movie. I watched the first 10 minutes and I was bored. Hmm. And I couldn't, right. I couldn't keep going with it. But uh, you, you saw the whole thing. I did. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought it was you know, it was innovative and certainly un-Brian Cranston-y. Huh. So I he was it. watching his family from the house next door. Unique. Movie. Very unique. Yeah, he's like watching it from the attic of his garage, separated garage. It was bizarre. And nobody thought to like go up there. Oh, they do. Uh, it's, a, it's a whole cat and mouse game. It's really interesting. That's kind of evil. Yeah, it's, it's not normal. <laughs> All right, Mike, can you see by skip any of this? Uh, with, with every, or what's the best thing you saw this week? Let's put it that way first. So the best thing I saw this week was probably the opening number from the Tonys. Nice. <laughs> I mean, honestly, which I got to a, a little late because, again, guys, grocery games, burgers. Um, but that was probably the best thing I saw this week as far as a see by skip. Skip every award show, including the Oscars. Get your act together, people. Wow. Like, take a note from the Tonys. <laughs> it was just entertaining for three hours. I was never bored. It was never anything where I was like, well, this is stupid. Just fucking this isn't hard. This isn't that hard. <laughs> wow. That's, cr- that's crazy talk. And we told you we had some hot takes yeah, today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you definitely don't want to mention your TV watching, though. Magnum P.I. and Barney Miller. I watched. I, that's I what I had. Right well, now. I had. I was filling this out as I was thinking about what I watched this week. And that's like my goat. All I had to report on was what I've talked about before. Antenna TV, Cozy TV, which is just, look, you've made fun of me for. It's just old programming. Oh, I'm about to make fun of you That you can again. click around. And I watched a lot of Magnum P.I. Well, I didn't watch it. Magnum P.I. and Barney Bernie Miller was on in the background as I was doing other MMO right. stuff. Right. So that's what I was going to. But it was enjoyable. It was like an old friend. It was enjoyable. <laughs> How about the stashes? There's some great stashes on those shows. Oh, Tom Selleck. I mean, come on. Yeah. You know, that's, that's Are you the tempted? Golden to... standard. Yeah. No, yeah. I look like I look terrible with a mustache. I, have, I don't even have them. It's just like a, a fleshy mesh color thing. I can't grow a mustache. It's gross. <laughs> you should grow a mustache. You have that dark Italian. My dad had a mustache his entire life. <laughs> And I look a lot like my father, so it would be the, the the most hilarious family joke ever if I just showed, you know, had a mustache for a while. Like, I've jokingly, like, after I've had a beard sure. once, shaved it down Left to it. a mustache, and everybody was crying laughing. I think. For, for like the, a day. For I the benefit it. of the show, you should do it. Absolutely not. All right, I want to talk about sports for a minute, too, because it was a big sports week. We're on the verge of the NBA Finals here. Give you, everyone, a little behind the scenes of what MMO is like in real life here. 99 times out of 100 every time we part we end up talking about the knicks the knicks <laughs> right the knickerbockers you, you the are new york a, knickerbockers. you are a large knicks fan the new york old-timey pants <laughs> terrible right? we, yeah we, we were doomed from the inception based on that nickname well yankees isn't a great nickname and they do okay yeah but yankees like you you go out of the country right and everybody and calls, calls us yankees. Yankees. that's true and that's we true. wear it with a point of pride and there's a song that's true that's a fair point all right the knicks are terrible um <laughs> so you are a large lifelong knicks fan yeah follow them religiously i loved them when i was a kid we have talked at length about what's going on this summer it's a big free agency summer i'm sorry for those of you that don't follow sports religiously like mike and i do we'll try to wrap this up quickly, basketball but... in new york can get fun again 
It, it could. really could. They have a lot of cast base. There's a lot of big name free agents here. Uh, the biggest of which is Kevin Durant. Yeah. Kyrie Irving's been linked to the Knicks. Uh, there's who, who am I missing here? Who's the other big one? Well, Kawhi Leonard, Anthony. Kawhi Davis. Kawhi Anthony Davis is, is going to be traded for. So I wanted to do just torture you a little bit. Uh, C by skip if you can only have one. Uh, let's see by skip those the, the the big three names that are out there: Kawhi, Kyrie, Anthony Davis. Or I'm sorry, not Kawhi. Kyrie, Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant. Yeah, by skip. Kawhi's probably staying. Son so, of a bitch. <laughs> I'll see Anthony Davis because okay. we got to give up. I, and I don't care. Give up everything we have. <laughs> yes, we don't have anything. So look, I'm buying Kevin Durant. I think he changes your franchise. The people come to play with him. I'm skipping Kyrie just based on what you always told me about him. Before this season, I would have said, I'm in for Kyrie. So would I. If you could sign him for free, you know, not for free, but obviously without giving up all your assets that you could trade for other people, Mm -hmm. that would totally make sense. And uh, look, we've been like two months ahead of all the reporting on all this basketball stuff (laughs) in our post-pod chats. We probably should do something with sports at at a later date. Maybe this is an early exception moment for us. But Mike, the Knicks have to get good again. They're, they're, they're too, they're, they're set up too well. Now they finally clean the slate. They have a top pick and a three-player draft. And, a t- you know, they have one of those top players. You know, you either got to ride with the young guys if you don't get anybody, or you got to get the A-listers. Okay. So you want Durant is, is what you just, I want Durant yeah. and Kawhi if I really could pick, but sure. Kawhi's not leaving. Sure. I want Durant and Anthony Davis and somebody else, too. I would totally... <laughs> oh, that's not asking much. I would totally... I would trade everything we have, all our future first-round picks, for a chance that's, at a, at that's a threesome reason- with those guys. Yeah, that's reasonable. Obviously, you want the big scenario where all three guys come in. You want the Miami And yes, I thing. mean that sexually and as a sports <laughs> Okay. Let's talk about a worst-case scenario, which is funnest for me, for you. Uh... <laughs> If you have to give, if you miss out on the big names as a Knicks fan in the Knicks franchise, if you have to give $70 million because they're just dying to sign someone, see by skip of these options. Let's say you don't even get in. Well, first of all, if they're smart, they do like a one-and-one one with a team option on the second year, but they're not smart. No. I know Four years, $70 million. Oh. <laughs> All right. And you're between uh, J.J. Redick, Bojan Bogdanovic, who I, I really want you to sign for big money, just as a Celtics fan. That would give me pride and happiness. Uh, J.J. Redick, Bojan Bogdanovich, or let's see. Um, Tobias. Or you give Vucevic the max. You don't give anyone the max unless it's one of these top guys. <laughs> it's simple. Absolutely There's simple. so many teams with cap space, though, Mike. If to get them, you're going to have to. You don't go you after them, <laughs> period. Go with the young guys. All right, see if I skip those three, though. All right. Oh, God. I I would say J.J. Redick would improve the team the most and help the young players play. Probably so, true. So if I have to spend money, and he's been a mercenary before, he just was yep. with the 76ers, I'm going J.J. Redick. I think that offers up a lot of uh, love from the ringer community, yes. which I listen to a lot, <laughs> uh, especially lately, especially with NBA stuff. Playing favorites. I like it. He's got his podcast over there. That would make sense for him, too, because he wants the New York media sure, sure. for his post-NBA uh, career to, to really you know kick that off. Makes sense. So, yeah, it, he his name makes sense. I'm buying him. That was the easy part. The, oh, gosh darn it. Was it Vucevic? So you're giving the max to Vucevic or like a $70, $80 million contract to Bogdan? We have to cut all this. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I would actually buy. I would actually see Bogdanovich because really, I think the big men they just they, you give that third contract to a big man, Joakim Noah style. 
they don't age well. They're too uh, humongous. I, I would say say Elise Bogdanovich, again, he's got some shooting on the outside. He's going to help these youngsters, and he's going to help you offensively. Wow, I can't believe we just did it. This Five is be minutes. A crazy summer. On crazy summer. Nonsense. Yeah, I, I apologize. But again, that was a little behind the scenes. That's how MMO usually parts ways. Tony's to the New York <laughs> Knicks. Find me another cut. podcast that's going to cover both of those things in like depth in one second. Third level free agents. Just obscure free agents for after the Tony's talk. Everybody turned us off five minutes ago. We could say anything right now. All right. Well, we got our stuff out of the way. Now let's concentrate on your guys' stuff and what you guys uh, said to Thank us. We have a God. MMO ask. We have six degrees of MMO. Some audience interaction stuff. Mike, we have to start with a correction. We have to correct the record because shame on us. Yes, shame on us. We're naked walking through the streets. Mm-hmm. There's a giant nun ringing a bell. We are Lena Headey. It is, it is a problem. Yes. And we apologize. Mark Burgundy's finish submission went like this from last week's Six Degrees of MMO. Basically, John Goodman was in 10 Cloverfield Lane with Maya Erskine, who played Darcy. We lo- we somehow lost now, the thread. Honestly, we looked for like a good three, four minutes. We did. It but just wasn't Don't rationalize. We are no, idiots. We're, we're, we're bad. That was our bad. That's it, our fault. He immediately. Yes. He immediately sent it to us and it's a bunch of funny gifts. So that's a, it's a, a, a mea culpa from us to the one Hanson who does play along every week when we appreciate his effort and that's and our bad and our, we're look, sorry. Look, he's got to get out of jail Goodman right now <laughs> because he could totally end any submission with John Goodman. We would laugh hysterically. The vaunted get out of jail Goodman card. He's got it. Whatever he wants. Well, do. he does lead off the submissions for this week's Six Degrees of MMO. We're connecting Tiffany Haddish to Steve Buscemi and Mark Burgundy is up first at the one Hanson H-A-N-S-E-N. Tiffany Haddish was in Keanu with Jordan Peele who was in Wonderlust with Paul Rudd. <laughs> Never saw Wanderlust. It's all right. Yeah. It's, it's got its moments. It was, it was Jennifer Aniston's in that too, right? Yeah, there, there's everybody's in it. Every comedian's in it, right. so it does have its moments. Paul Rudd was in Anchorman 2 with Will Smith, who's in Seven Pounds, works for the, who in Seven Pounds, I'm sorry, works for the IRS. In WWE, now he's just playing to me, oh uh, IRS was the father, is the father in real life, of Bray Wyatt, if who used to so. sing He's Got the Whole World in His Hands, which was creepily sung in Con Air by Steve Buscemi. All right, so I got two things Go to ahead. say about this. Number one. What the hell is the WWE doing with its wrestlers? <laughs> like, every time I go on Twitter on a Monday or Thursday night, yeah. really a weeknight, yeah. there's a wrestler playing country music with a guitar. Is that a thing? Yeah, that's Elias, probably, who you're talking about. He's, he's the drifter. How long, how, many, how long do these songs go? Oh, not long. He gets interrupted pretty often. <laughs> with a steel chair? Well, with, yeah, somebody's music hits, or, yeah. Well, I'm finally going to get through my song tonight. <laughs> Bang! I'll tell you this. He actually made fun of Seattle for not having a basketball team once in Seattle. It was the loudest I've heard a WWE crowd in years. Interesting. So well, the man can get heat. But, yes, that's I like that, working IRS right. into the real life. WWE getting out of the lane, <laughs> one lane into another. We've praised that before. Okay, the second question, Mike, is was seven pounds the beginning of the end for Ooh. Will Smith? Because you go back to 2008, he had his moments in focus with Margot Robbie. Mm-hmm. Men in Black 3 wasn't terrible. No, I, I liked it. It was okay. It was, it, was. it was fine. But his last 11 years have been rough. Doesn't look like it's getting much better, does it? I with, mean, with what's the what's coming out now? This this uh, this new movie he's Gemini in? Man. Gemini Man. Good God, does that look like a disaster? It looks like a disaster. I'm sorry. Uh, look, Aladdin hit the box office well, right? That's a success. He it was is. a big part of that. But he, he hasn't made good movies of, of late. We got to see Aladdin still, so don't hate on us too much. Yeah. But 
I don't. I'm not. I don't know. That's a good question. Is how I'll leave that. But Seven correct. Pounds was supposed to be that Oscar movie, and then uh, it was just like, ah. Yeah, Hancock was supposed to be something special, and Hancock was good for the first hour. Yeah, it's a good first hour. Good premise. Didn't really. Second hour got, went off. A nope. Bit. <laughs> In a world of Iron Man and the MCU, yeah. that movie didn't work. I, I dis. Yeah, I agree. Pop culture review at Pop Culture Review says I like taking unnecessary long, deep-cut, six-degree back roads. We like this. Tiffany Haddish was in an episode of My Name is Earl, which co-starred Ethan Suple, who was in Mallrats, which had Brian O'Halloran, who was in Dogma, which had (laughs) Ben Affleck, who was in Armageddon with Steve Buscemi. I like that because of the unnecessary road trips, because you could have ended any of those with Mallrats or Dogma. Ben Affleck was in both of those. Was Ben Affleck in both of those? I know he was in Mallrats. Yes. I think he was in Dogma, too. Yes. Uh, and that whole Kevin Smith universe uses all the same actors anyway. So you could have taken a shortcut there, but you went all the way out unnecessarily long. I appreciate it. I do, too. Uh, Mike Colby Mack has been submitting late for the last three weeks, so just quick note here before you read it. Yeah. Very proud Colby Mack, getting it out on time, <laughs> and yet... Yeah, we got to just shout out to Colby. He's a great listener. Yes, and a, he is. And a friend on Twitter. At Colby told me, Tiffany Haddish plays the dog in Secret Life of Pets 2. And like I mentioned, co-stars alongside Tracy Morgan in The Last OG, which is a TBS sitcom. Tracy Morgan also plays a pet on all fours. He plays a gerbil in the wildly underrated Disney Rop G-Force. These are all Colby's Some words. love for He's G-Force. Doing, yeah, doing a little marketing here on behalf of Disney 2, where Steve Buscemi in G-Force plays Bucky the Hamster. I have never seen seeing G-Force. <laughs> so we go to Colby Matt's house and he's got like gerbils all over the wall. <laughs> 17 posters gerbils. everywhere, yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's awesome. Great job, Colby Mack. Uh, the Cinema Guys at the Cinema Guys says Tiffany Haddish was in Keanu with Keegan-Michael Key, yeah. who was in The Predator, directed by Shane Black, yes. who wrote The Long Kiss Goodbye, starring Samuel L. Jackson, who was in Pulp Fiction with Steve Buscemi. Yes, Long Kiss Goodnight, and of course playing Pulp Fiction is playing uh, it to, to what we're doing here at MMO lately. What is Long Kiss Goodbye? That's uh, when you're leaving your lover for the last time. Is that the time. guy from the werewolf movie? That's the 1970s? Dashiell Hammett? I don't know. I think you were saying goodbye to someone you've dated. Long Kiss Goodbye is <laughs> something that went into my brain there. Bad Reception Podcast, Mike, who's won it previously at Bad Reception Pod. Haddish was in Secret Life of Pets. I'm amazed that for the Haddish starting point, we've only used the Secret Life of Pets or Keanu. They're ensembles. Yeah. Uh, Secret Life of Pets 2 with Harrison Ford. Uh, Ford was in Blade Runner, of course. Referenced in the song More Human Than Human by White Zombie. Oh, wow. Yes. Rob Zombie directed an episode of CSI Miami whose theme song is by The Who, whose singer Roger Daltrey is in an episode of Tales from the Crypt with Buscemi. That That's is impressive. incredible. That is How impressive. did we not pick this? We are jerks. We are jock nerd jerks. Yeah. Because the winner this week is a podcast about something at APA something. NBA edition of Six Degrees of MMO, in honor of the NBA Finals, Game 4 tonight when he submitted this, Game 5 tonight, as we're releasing this, uh, Tiffany Haddish was an Uncle Drew with Chris Webber, who was in Like Mike, with Gary Payton, the glove, I like this, who was in Eddie with Rick Fox, the face, (laughs) who was in He Got Game with Charles Barkley, the round mound of rebound, who was in Space Jam with Larry Bird, whoever that is. How dare you? <laughs> who was in Blue Chips with Shaq, who was in Grown Ups 2 with Steve Buscemi. 
I love this. So I much. like the chain that includes the great, like great Hall of Famers, maybe the greatest defensive <laughs> player of all time, Gary Payton, going to Rick Fox, going to maybe the, the third or fourth best center ever in Shaq, and then ending on Steve Buscemi. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's great. It's it's great. There's a ton of great submissions this week. Yes, uh, there was wonderful job. Uh, and great job, APA something a podcast about something at APA something. You are the winner this week. You have bragging rights to all things six degrees of MMO. Uh, related, you get to sit on our giant hashtag Iron Throne, which is made out of wire hangers. I think every week oh, no. I'm just gonna keep adding more ridiculous adjectives and just whatever this the seat for is for this. You know, certainly not copyrighted <laughs> Iron Throne that you keep calling it's it. It's an Iron Hanger Throne. That way we could have it. Mike, what's the challenge for our good listeners? Yeah, next you week? picked this one, and this seems a lot like a lot of fun. Yeah. Isaac Hayes, who did the theme song to the original Shaft, we got the next Shaft movie coming out. Isaac Hayes to co. Y Leonard, and we talked about him earlier. He is a basketball player. He is playing for the championship tonight in the city of Toronto and trying to give the country of Canada its first ever NBA championship. Yeah, and Kawhi I don't think has been in much, so you're going to have to go at least one, make one link through the end world of the NBA yeah, you're or gonna something. You're going to have to now, so you're going to have to take a page out of APA something's book. So that is your challenge for this week. Isaac Hayes going to Kawhi Leonard. That's your 60 Days of MMO challenge. Mike, we had an MMO Asks question this week that you came up with, and you have to defend yourself. Yeah, MMO Asks, what's your guiltiest movie pleasure so right off the bat here i do not <laughs> apologize for the use of the term guilty pleasure i love the term guilty pleasure i'll go 12 rounds with anybody who says i can't use that phrase and let's be honest everybody was gently ribbing me on twitter about this uh and that's very nice of them you're you are just gentlemen ladies and scholars and i love you all and i'm not gonna rage over your many polite retorts but i mean look guilty pleasure is subjective phrase i thought it was ironic to send a question to film twitter which is filled with mostly film critics mm -hmm. about what they think is a guilty pleasure what they consider a guilty pleasure because they probably gave them these rotten ratings on rotten tomatoes and yet you know sometimes we always find these movies that get 30%. So there's got to be three sets of people who still like these movies for delivering goods. So And then we kind of, audience members really came through with this as well, and I thought it was fun to ask. I don't have a problem with the term guilty pleasure. I have a problem with the negative connotation behind it, which I think is what you're going after anyway, but like... Yeah, you, you shouldn't feel bad about watching any movie you like. Obviously, any movie you like is good to you, and guilty pleasure is just a quicker way of saying something that's usually considered yeah. bad that you enjoy, but is more awesomely bad than a cult classic. Well, we know. Like, we're all, we all could be <laughs> self-aware a little bit. We know what movies are maligned. Yeah, but it could be, I mean, if something's awesomely bad, that doesn't mean it's a good movie, but you could still enjoy it, yeah. Yeah, I know? mean, you could tell. Right. Grandma's Boy. <laughs> Grandma's boy. Grandma's boy should have won Oscars. Uh, IMDG, I am, yeah, good lord. IMDB, if Mike one could speak correctly, Journey Podcast at IMDB Journey said Mortal Kombat with a bunch of exclamation points. Come on, admit you just screamed that and then thought of the theme song. Of course. Of course. Everybody in their head. Mortal Kombat. Techno I song. think I own one of those like four movies and one DVD thing where it's like Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. I think they made a third one or maybe it's a cartoon or something. And then the fourth movie is Spawn. No. 
<laughs> Kate at Captain underscore Hangry says Ace Ventura when nature calls. That's a great movie. Ready to rumble. Grind, That's not a great movie. <laughs> grind the Sorcerer's Apprentice and Reign of Fire. Reign of Fire is a terrible movie. I don't like calling movies bad. Reign of Fire is a bad movie. I didn't hate Reign of Fire. I know you did. I don't Matthew understand McConaughey's that. look in that movie is fun. Nothing about that movie is redeemed. I love Ace Ventura when nature calls. Great We're quoting it for twenty years. <laughs> great movie. Ryan L. Terry at R. L. Terry one. One of my go-tos is Romy and Michelle's high school reunion. Uh, I appreciate that. I like yeah, that. And I that was Lisa Kudrow kind of stepping out like right on the heels of the Friends right. popularity. And this is a great example of why this question works because that's a movie that is not well received right. by the critical community necessarily. I don't remember its score or whatever, but that was a movie I sought out my, whatever whatever ten yeah. years ago. Regardless, because I hear everybody saying it's a fun movie. Yeah. So I'll listen to the audience score on that. One. Who was the other girl in that? Lucy Mira Kudrow, who? Mira Savino, I think. Was it? All right. Ryan's going to get mad if I'm wrong. <laughs> can't stop. Can't look it up. Film file at Film File UK says, you know what I always get stick for. I don't know what that means. Autocorrect on, a, on the iPhone there. Never shy away from exclaiming my love for Wiki Wiki and a gift of the Wild Wild West from the Wild Wild West music video. That song was so good at the time and yeah. now is just absurd. So did when Cartman made Big fun Will, of it. Drew Hill. <laughs> so you liked that song when it came out. Of course. And then when Cartman made fun of it, what happened? I didn't even know. I didn't know he did, did he? Yeah, the wiki wiki the whole Cartman thing. Yeah, wiki wiki. Wiki wiki wow. Cartman did that. I do a bad impression of everybody and anything. Mike, please stop me from talking. MC Myers at Film Objective said The Grinch from 2000 is just something about taking a kid's movie and making it as seemingly ugly as humanly possible. That's totally alluring to me. It's a car crash that I can't help but watch when it's on for the holidays. I watch The Grinch every year. This Grinch? Thing. Yes. 2000 yes. Grinch? Jim Carrey's, yes. Oh, wow. Every year. That's it's a hell of a performance. I remember I'm not hating it back in the day. I love that movie. It's I great. would probably, out of curiosity, rewatch that one before I rewatch the the new I, one. That was yes, just the new. I haven't seen the new it's one. It's fine. It's pretty. I, mean, I thought you were going to refer to the old cartoon. No, I never liked the old cartoon Grinch, but I, the Jim Carrey one I always liked. Uh, AJ Workman at AJ Workman says, "I actually find Hit and Run with Dax Shepard, Kristen Bell, and Bradley Cooper very hilarious." I wanted to see this when it was when it was coming yeah, out. I, I never got around either. to it, but I, I know I, I remember seeing it and thinking, oh, it looks at least like something that'll kill 90 minutes. Yeah, I mean, that's a recommendation yeah, right there. We got sure. that out of this guilty place. That's another, that's something I said, too. It's like, I just we just want movies that we maybe haven't thought of in a while that can be brought up and yes. and, and come as, as recommendations for us, such as what Joe Gariffo, <laughs> at Joe Gariffo says, The Pest. I'm... I like to party with my peas. Sorry. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I watched The Pest at my grandmother's house. And I remember, like, she lost respect for me forever. I think that's fair. That. That's a good, that's probably what should well, happen. I don't know why I watched it. It was on TV, back when we watched things on TV. I don't think that movie can be on TV. And it was one of those things, it was like, 1998, uh, I'm not driving yet, so whatever. We're out at my grandmother's house for... And I probably should have went home and watched The Pest in the Go privacy. Home. She by sent myself. you home in shame. <laughs> but that's not a movie you watched with your grandmother. She's like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, no, that's correct. She was in the right. 
<laughs> Mark Burgundy also says Masters of the Universe. That's the He-Man movie. That's something I've never seen. I don't think I've ever seen it either. I was looking at that uh, People before. love like, it. Man, yeah, I don't think I ever... That and Flash Gordon were a little before All my right, time. Another recommendation. Yeah. Phillips44, F-I-L-L-U-P-S-4-4. Commando is definitely a guilty pleasure. <laughs> Sister Act is a film I wish more people loved as much as I do. You're in good company here, Phillips. I love Sister Act. And The Lizard Brain is happy seeing stuff explode. Guilty pleasure. You know what makes me happy, too, about that movie? Yeah. The the bad guy, the villain, wears yeah. chain mail. <laughs> chain mail. He speaks in Australia. It's so accent. over the top 90s, too. Like, she's got to go to a biker bar, and it's just, everybody is just in leather chaps. Like, yeah. that's all any motorcycle rider wore in the 90s. Leather yeah. chaps and handlebar mustaches. I was going to ask you this question, then it dawned on me it was Total Recall, but I was going to ask you, is this the movie where Arnold's like, consider that a divorce? <laughs> it's not. Uh, Sister Act is, no, totally underrated film. Agree wholeheartedly. So everybody high fives over Sister Act. Mike, that was a fun question. Yeah, it turned was, out to be. That was. That was a good question. Some good suggestions, and I'm going to watch that Bradley Cooper, Dak Shepard movie. <laughs> nice. I can tell you that for sure. Box office update is where we'll go next. So this weekend's box office, overall, it's up 36%. Over the same weekend in 2018, mm-hmm. uh, which was headlined by the debuts of Ocean's 8 and Hereditary. Can you believe it's been a year since I cannot. Hereditary? I was thinking about that when Man, I saw that. My God, Lord. Time flew. Time you... flies when you do 17 episodes a week. Yeah. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so, Mike, Dark Phoenix came out this week, mm. and you would have expected that with one of those debuting this week, box office would have just exploded. Yeah. But that didn't happen. Yeah. We had The Secret Life of Pets 2 winning with $48 million domestically, 49 overseas, $97 million queue. Yeah, like, I know we're going to talk about Dark Phoenix. That's obviously probably the biggest story of the week anyway. But why isn't anyone talking about what a flop The Secret Life of Pets 2 is? is because it really? it's a flop. $47 million domestic box office opening for an animated film in a vacuum is fine. I get that. And if you open at $47 million or more in the last couple of years, you're probably going to do at least 120 domestically. You're probably not going to do worse than $120 million domestically, which means you're going to make a profit for an $80 million budget, which Secret Life of Pets 2 has. You're going to end up in the black. I get so that. So people are not talking about how it's such a flop because it's not a flop, Mike. Mike, what did Secret Life of Pets point? 1 open at? Do you know? I don't know. Guess. Did it open at $100 million? Yeah, over. Over $100 million. This did less than half of the opening of Secret Life of Pets 1. That's not good. The audience is speaking. It really is. They don't want Dumbo. They don't want Dark Phoenixes. They don't want sequels to movies that don't need sequels. Yeah, which is going to be something when we do talk about Dark Phoenix, which is the next one up here. So Dark Phoenix got $33 million. That's it. Yeah. At the domestic box office, 107, which might save it, you know, mm. ultimately overseas. So it's a $140 million cum, $200 million budget. Yeah. So I'm going to go on my soapbox here for a minute because I don't like what Disney's kind of doing here. Um, and we've talked about what a danger it is to have that conglomerate and entertainment control everything. But yeah, this sucks. $200 million budget. So even if this film was considered to be the cultural breakthrough that Crazy Rich Asians was, obviously it is not that. But it probably need to do better than Crazy Rich Asians 171 domestic box office just to come close to being a manageable loss on a $200 million budget, which it clearly won't do. This is going to be a catastrophic loss. Uh, really? Big loss, big loser of money because you're gonna. I mean, two and a half times if it's even that on two hundred million, you gotta get five hundred million total, which it doesn't seem like it's gonna approach. Now I've seen people blame Disney for not marketing the film enough. Leave aside the debate as to whether a Marvel property film with a two hundred million dollar budget even needs or should warrant extensive marketing. 
I think there's merit to the complaint that this X-Men movie wasn't given the same treatment as even the upcoming Spider-Man MCU film has in terms of marketing and, and the budget going towards all the ads on YouTube and Facebook and all that. I think that's true. And then, of course, there's the anecdote from Nicole Sperling's article from Vanity Fair, which described how left in the dark and the feeling of general hopelessness those running the marketing plan for Dark Phoenix felt when they all got together in February to talk about how they were going to approach the the, the push for this film uh, in light of the Disney acquisition. There was really kind of this dark, down, depressing we don't know what's going on here. At least that's how she painted it as far as going over this movie and how it's going to be presented to the public with Fox not knowing how Disney wanted to treat it. So here's the thing. I think Disney's a bit rattled of late based on their spring releases in previous years like Solo. Oh, you are so the optimist, man. Solo was supposed to do well. It really cost them a lot. And Solo, uh, But see, Solo was a Disney movie, right? So, yeah, they wear that. Well, I just think Disney's rattled, and then they're coming up with Dumbo. Maybe they thought Aladdin was going to do billions and only did hundreds of millions. Maybe it'll get to one billion. It doesn't look good. I think they're a bit rattled, Mike, so they're not going to throw good money after bad if they know the movie is, A, going to be critically you know, shat upon. Sure. And, B, it's just not their kind of film, so it's not fitting their brand. I know Fox has got its name on it still and all that, but even still, like, why? Why would they throw a big marketing push at this? Because you could market it as the last of a twenty-year franchise. You could, you could. I mean, you could. This. I don't. Why would you sell people on seeing a bad movie? To to try and make money and not get a hundred million dollars. No, but it's going to ruin your brand going forward. You do that enough, and then people. But it's not their brand. See, see, you. I I understand. Do you think they had a win-win here? I I do, and I think they're being a little more devious, and I, I don't appreciate what they're doing if they're doing this because it's just it's reading the tea leaves and disney doesn't care about this property obviously and that's that that's clear to me you're right i don't think there is a good point and merit into throwing millions of dollars into marketing on something that's like a 22 percent on rotten tomato and that they don't particularly believe in i get I, I agree i think there is merit to that i think that's one prong as to why they chose not to market this and get behind it i think there's two others that go more towards disney's long-term plans with fox and acquiring fox yeah i, I think they get a chance here to wipe their hands of Fox's superheroes or mutants, however you want to classify them, because there's no secret that Disney's probably going to build up to Avengers versus X-Men, which is a very popular comic book series, which is uh, also probably part of the reason they acquired Fox in the first place is that they get to reinvent the X-Men and their vision and introduce them into the MCU as they see fit and make mm-hmm. money off them. And they can say that we can do it properly and they can always turn to this movie and say Fox didn't know how to market the X-Men and it's Fox's fault that this movie flopped and it's Fox's fault that the marketing didn't take hold with this movie. So now it's our, why should we trust them why would we get behind them or let them dictate anything to do with the marketing of the new x-men they don't know what they're doing it grew stale it was old now it's our turn to introduce them i think that's involved in this all of that makes sense i just still think it comes back to the fact that you know they're going to have all their tests audiences all their numbers i mean they have so much data on this if they know a movie's not hitting that's true yeah with their research then it it, it just makes sense to me like i understand why they're not putting a ton of money at it and it, it it Proved correct. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's tough to argue. I just wonder if that's the primary reason that they just didn't want to waste money on it. Or if this is a reason to fire a bunch of people at Fox, a bunch more people, and they're just getting cause for this, 
You know, basically the the reason. Yeah, well, I don't know. Yeah, not fire, that's, but that's that would be devious or dubious. And or, this is this is I'm just laying it out. This would be the most sinister reason is that they could use Dark Phoenix's failings as an excuse to axe future franchise and non-franchise Fox properties. Like we know for a fact, Disney did not acquire Fox Studios with the intent of going forward on all their properties. That's obvious. I mean, I think they're going to remake it all in a Disney way anyway, though. I mean that—that's what's going to happen. That's they've why you buy. They've sold it. off. They've already sold off titles of yeah movies. stuff they don't want to do. And they've axed something like the Mouse Guard, which they say they don't see as a franchise on its hundred and seventy million dollar production budget that they don't like. They're I, cutting I, a lot of losses after they bought this. They really are. And this but is how do you know their losses? These movies haven't gone forward yet. It's their job to know. It's their job to make decisions. Those are tough decisions, and, and you know, they're axing a lot of people in the process, which is difficult. But that's big uh, to me. It makes sense. I don't. I don't love it. I. But I, it, they got to do what's right for their brand. If they have all these other pr- previously produced, I mean, we've seen too many hands, too many cooks in the kitchen kind of arguments. For, yeah. So if you try and fix all these movies that you know, at least whether or not they'll be good, who knows? But they don't fit your Disney brand. But you don't have just... They're not going to be presented under the Disney brand. Again, I don't think you're saying anything wrong. I agree with what you're saying. But Fox is still going to be releasing movies. It's just going to be Fox under Disney's umbrella. So it's going to be its own standalone studio. Well, they want to build that up to to be in something of quality so that when everybody sees the Fox brand, Fox movie brand, 20th Century Fox brand, whatever they're going to call it, uh, next... Mike, they they gotta sell that brand. So if you have all these properties that aren't gonna work, that you think aren't gonna work, I mean, I I actually think it's a bit, you know, I don't want to say courageous, but I can't come up with another word for them to eat all these losses because they don't think these things are gonna work. I mean, that's very decisive. What, what losses? Well, the, all the money that's been spent on these movies uh, to make them. And they're buying them with that with the billions of dollars that they spent to purchase it, and they're they're selling these rights to uh, selling them away, and you know these are losses. Like that's what Fox is worth. They're worth all of these titles. They're worth all of these people who made those titles, and you know you're you're cutting ties with a lot of that what you purchased. I wish I was as optimistic. Like. To me, well, I, mean, I, I I can see how you see it that way. Disney, I do. I get it. Disney makes a lot of great movies. They've they've won up. But me now over, they're like say. now they're one of the only avenues that any big budget movie can get produced with. And we've had the the article from Vanity Fair I've mentioned before. We have Tatiana Siegel and Boris Kidd of the Hollywood Reporter that have mentioned this as well. They they've said they're not interested in non franchise properties. If they're one of the only avenues now, because they've acquired an entire stu- two Inquire Studios, if you talk about Fox Searchlight as well, but if they're one of the only avenues where big budget films can get made anymore, yeah. that's bad it's, it's for the bad. movie industry. I agree. Ultimately, the audience is going to decide. And if they're going to take the approach that these big budget movies just aren't worth it, and they're not going to... A movie studio has to be willing to take some loss sometimes, right? Well, they are here. They're deciding you know, years earlier that they're willing. Right. That's the... I mean, that's... They're not letting these projects go forward. And it happens all the time in a business. So you're not putting money behind the marketing of it. So it's going to be a greater loss. So isn't that well, awfully is it, convenient though? for is the it, narrative? Though? Because how much does the marketing cost? Like, we sure, don't know right. those, We don't know. You're right. But numbers. isn't it convenient if you don't do everything you can to get the most money out of it to at least turn later and say, well, look, look how bad Dark Phoenix did. We can't keep handling losses like this when they didn't do everything they could to put it in a position to get as much money out of it as they could have. 
Yeah, but the reason why they're not doing that is because it's not testing well. And ultimately, it didn't perform well on a certain base level market. If that's the right. primary reason they're they're not putting money behind it, I agree. I don't know what right. the primary I don't mean, reason I don't is. I just yeah. think the movie came out, critics hated it, audiences gave it a low cinema score, and the movie didn't do well. Yeah, I, I'm just, I don't, again, it, I, I think it comes down to, I think there's truth in everything. Again, I think it's yeah. a three-pronged thing as to why they're not putting money behind it, getting as much money out of it as they can. But I think it's awfully convenient for their argument that if they ever want to look back at the something like a Dark Phoenix, something like Ford versus Ferrari, if it doesn't make money, something like Ad Astra, which we're going to talk about, which looks like a mess as it is, if it doesn't make money, it's awfully convenient for the Disney argument that why should we make these $100 million budget movies if they're just going to lose and no one's going to go see them when mm. Disney is one of the only studios out there anymore that can afford to make a $100 million movie that doesn't make money? That's bad for the movie industry at large. It's bad for the movie industry at large. It's it's the the Watchmen or the Gatekeepers just shrank. Yeah, and that's unfortunate because we're just covering the Quentin Tarantino series where you know he found his way in. Right. And does he find his way in if there's not as many production companies out there to to purchase his stuff? And yeah, I mean, if you don't make a Disney kind of movie and you want two hundred million dollars to make it, well, your options are. Severely limited. Right. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. I, I, I hope the primary reason is what you keep citing. I hope that's how they're looking at it. I, yeah. I mean, I hope it's a, they're making decisions based on quality. Right. Like, if Mouse Guard is not a quality story, I don't know anything about Mouse Guard. Do you? I know what I've read about it, and it's apparently a wildly popular oh, comic. No, it's a terrible title. Mouse Guard is a terrible <laughs> title. I don't know what it is. But it's an adapted title, property. It's, right, it's, it's, a, it's a popular comic. I know about it through the Hollywood Reporter. That's all. What the hell is a Mouse Guard? It's apparently Game of Thrones, but with mice, is how it's described. Oh, so it's a comedy? Game of Thrones? With mice? Well, not, better be funny. No, it's not supposed to be a comedy. At least that's not how it reads. Okay, good call, Disney. I'm going to go out on a limb and say good call, Disney, because a non-unfunny version of Game of Thrones with mice... In their, those roles. I don't know, if that's man. not funny. I don't know. Then cut it immediately. Just take the loss. Yeah, good move. I I, I, I agree. I don't know. Disney. I, I, Hire I, me. I hope you're right. I do. I genuinely hope you're right. I don't think you are. So why do we have outrage over oh, Game of Thrones? They they axed this property. It's Game of Thrones with mice, and there's no humor in it. Because it could be a serious. It's a why again a very popular source material. It's they wouldn't adapted it. Fox wouldn't have okayed a one hundred seventy million dollar budget on it well, if, did you, if they didn't think it was going to sell. Oh God, one hundred seventy million dollars. That Fox twenty first century Fox said was or twentieth century Fox said it was okay. I will gladly eat these words if I fi- figure out that Mouse Guard is going to become a good movie. Well, we're never going to know now. Of. Well, we can read whatever the comics are. But just because, even if it's not. <laughs> Game of Thrones isn't for me. Game of Thrones was the most popular show on TV. Like, just because it doesn't fit our taste doesn't mean there's not a, a crowd for it. Well, maybe they know that uh, the popular tastes aren't going to like it. I don't know. Bottom line is... You have so much faith in this company. I have faith in Disney because uh. the 8 out of 10 movies are pretty darn good. Maybe 7 out of 10. So I do have faith in Disney that they're going to do right by these movies. It's unfortunate, though, that they're getting a monopoly. But there's a reason they're getting a monopoly because they've been so successful. But it's not good. It's I, really I, bad. Overall, it's not good. There should be <laughs> rules put in place the way they can't get this big. But there's not. So we it's the Wild West, basically, after the railroads come in. Right. And they're the railroads. I, I hope they're all doing it on quality. I don't think they are. I, I really don't. I think they're doing it to... to 
You I mean, there's, right. a, there's a reason they mouse they, they mouse. There's a reason they axed Mouse Guard and okayed and haven't touched the 18 Avatar sequels I mean, that are in production. They're a mouse-based company. They're a rodent-based <laughs> operation. Let's just say so. They're they're particular. That's in their wheelhouse. All right. I, I hope you're right. Uh, <laughs> anyway, other stuff at the box office happened, but that's the most fire we're gonna have for yeah. it. <laughs> Aladdin was third. Godzilla uh, two was fourth. Rocket Man fifth. Ma came in sixth. So Ma's up to forty million. Yeah, total. Ma's got eight times his budget. I hope yeah. we get Ma too. Uh, Rocket Man's up to one hundred one. Uh, 0.8 total. Uh, Godzilla's up to a 292.3, and Aladdin's up to 604.8 million. Worldwide. Rocket Man again, 40 million dollar budget. Mike just reminded me, so that's already probably broken even if you go by the two and a half times rule. Going to be close to three, but good hey, job. it's making money. It's just not bow wrap money, so everybody's right. Right. down on it. All right, uh, we're already pushing an hour here on a day we thought we wouldn't have anything. So let's I talk about the care. <laughs> the do you care segment this is where we take uh, other news stories of the week and we ask each other do we should we or will we care about them the way we start every do you care segment every mmow is we take the movies coming out this week and i ask michael if we care about them mike this week nationwide we have men in black international and shaft 2019's version of shaft obviously as well as american woman and the dead don't die are going to be released limited do we care about any of those? Well, I got to see The Dead Don't Die, so that was cool. I got to see it early and uh, reviewed that up top, so no, I don't care about that. <laughs> <laughs> Men in Black International and Shaft, these are movies that I'm going to watch on premium television. I'm not going to watch them in the theaters, I don't think. I got too many movies to watch in theaters. If I use my AMC pass, I'm not going to see these movies, and I'm kind of in for kind of not. If I'm curious, I'm curious to see Godzilla. I'm curious to see Aladdin at this point. I don't know if I'll ever actually watch well, Aladdin. You know, if you go to theaters this week, <laughs> right. we're going to see Booksmart right, probably because right. we, we know we wanted to see that all along. Right. And that's a film we, we just haven't made time for yet. That's what we're seeing. Right, yeah. I, I can't imagine I'll ever uh, I'll see Shaft. I can't imagine I'll waste. I, Men in Black International looks dumb. It just looks yeah, dumb. Yeah, but you might watch them on like Stars or HBO. <sighs> Never. Uh, what's next? <laughs> Said the man who reviewed Truth or Dare. <laughs> That was, a, that was a film worth my time. <laughs> Black Adam gets a director, Mike. This is a Slash Film article. What are you thinking about this property? With The Rock. Jaume Jam. I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce that first name. J-A-U-M-E, but uh, Colette Sarah. The Hollywood Reporter Slash Films, like you said, both had that. He's linked to the page on IMDb of Black Adam. It's not exactly a resume that would like scream superhero property, He's done The Orphan, he's done Run All Night, The Commuter, he was a producer and director on all those, but Marvel, at least, has taken relatively no-name directors and turned them into household names. DC has been better lately. Yep. This is a DC property. Uh, the Rock's attached, I can't imagine. If The Rock's in your movie right now, The Rock's running the show, right? So that's who he wants, you think? I, I would think. I don't have anything to back that up with, obviously. I just know he's a very hot name and still is and still makes money. And to have him in a superhero world, especially the second place superhero world, is kind of a big deal. So I would think that he's probably going to give the okay at some point. And if it doesn't work out, they'll change it. But I'm hopeful. Another example of a horror movie director going to action movies, yeah. becoming a, a superhero film. Helmer's here. So that that's interesting. Yeah, I don't like that IMDb resume. Yeah. Honest. That doesn't look good. That's, Orf that's Orphan. worrisome. Orphan was interesting. 
Orphan was interesting. <laughs> That's a take. Ghostbusters are coming back in 2020, Mike, and they're bringing back the original cast. Do we care? No. I don't. Actually, no. I think that was, that was big news this week because my favorite member of that cast, no offense to anybody else, was Harold Ramis. And oh, he's no yeah. Longer, he's no longer with us. I think we all got sour grapes on the last one not working with a great cast, and I think you sold me on that. You've argued your way into me not caring about Ghostbusters 2020. No, I And mean. I think that's sad because it's a, it's a fan service move, and I hope the fans are happy with the remake, but it's going to be a bunch of old guys catching ghosts. I mean, maybe it's all right. Now I just need to make you see a light about Disney, and we'll be on the same page here. Yeah, look, I don't know. Maybe I'll go to see Aladdin. I'll be like, "Yeah, you're right." <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't. I think they, they, it's just such a disrespectful job to what happened with the last time they tried to remake Ghostbusters with the all-female cast, and they're kind of being the the I don't know how you want to say it, but the pariahs. They're being the goats. They're thrown under the bus for it. That this is kind of the move they have to make, and because. The fans, the fanboys were the ones that were so outraged in the first place that now they're kind of retconning and saying, oh, we're going to give you what you want. And I think that's bad precedent. The, the idea that it could be like a Stranger Things group of kids and the old guys, that's all right. That's With intriguing. their grandpas. Sure. You yeah. know, that, that could work. And, you know, anything can work with Bill Murray and, the, and these guys. You, you could know? bring back the women, too. Like, you could have them have a place in this movie. Okay, it's, you know, it's a, a big blockbuster movie. Yeah. You know, we'll see. It's got a chance if they put the resources in it. Yeah. Mike, our fourth and final story here. Midsummer marketing gets weird. They have that poster about upcoming events. That was so good. Grossed me out. So good. They're treating like it's a festival. Oh. A concert like, festival. Like the, uh, what was that one that went awry? Fire festival? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they have like absurd names for the bands. It's like peeling skin. Ugh. <laughs> like stuff Ugh. Like Oh, I hope none of that's awesome. in that movie. I love that. Jordan Peele weighs in saying it has just atrociously disturbing imagery. So I'm But he loved the movie. I'm convinced I'm right about Disney. And because I have that sinister tea leaf mindset, I went into this story thinking, is Jordan Peele purposely hyping up this movie to get everyone's expectations way too high well, he's so everyone can be disappointed and go back and say <laughs> Jordan Peele is the better director? <laughs> but he's like, they did, he did an interview with uh, Ari Aster, and that's, uh, that's where all this is coming from. Right. And basically he's like, every movie after this is going to have to reckon with this movie. Look, there's vivid imagery in the trailer of this. We reviewed that a couple weeks ago on MMOWs. There's certainly grounds and reason to believe that this is going to be something off-putting Nothing with skin please Ugh. something's being eaten alive or torn apart in the trailer it's a quick one shot but it's there's something there so we're dealing with grossness here something's gonna yeah i'm so afraid yeah if jordan peele thinks it's gross if he's being genuine i think there's reason to believe that it's gonna be it's gonna be gross yeah it's gonna shake us so, so probably not something that winds up in the oscar conversation at the end of the day if it's if it's that gross, if it's gross with meaning, maybe <laughs> atrociously disturbing. If it's hostile, no, that's not going to break <laughs> no. through with the academy. No. All right, let's end this ridiculously long episode that wasn't supposed to be with trailer thoughts. Trailer thoughts. Only a couple trailers this week that debuted, but we're going to start with the long-awaited Ad Astra, Michael, Brad Pitt in space. So this is an alleged mess, yeah. and unfortunately, I could see it in the trailers. Yeah. So, all right, he's on a space station, right? Mm. How can he fall? Why does he fall? He, wait, you could fall from space. You could fall back to Earth? Maybe he was still in the atmosphere. They must be on the edge of the atmosphere, but it sure yeah. looks like space. 
which means you can't fall because it's fucking space. Yeah. What's going on? There's no gravity. How can you fall? All right. Spoiler alert here for Jodie Foster's Contact. From 97. I think we're okay. Are they just remaking Contact? Yes. That's exactly what I thought when With I heard about guys? this plot. What is this? Yeah, how he's searching for his father or something, and his father... Contact his father was the alien, all right? I'm sorry. Terrible decision. But, <laughs> but that's exactly what I thought when I saw this trailer. Um, I have concerns. This does not look good. Yeah. I've never wanted to see Tommy Lee Jones in a movie less, Mike. Also, Tommy Lee Jones, a distinctive fellow. <laughs> a distinctive-looking fellow. you got to suspend my disbelief a little bit. Like Brad Pitt, the greatest looking guy in the okay. world. And look, so I mean, Brad Pitt got his looks from his mother. Tommy Lee Jones is an <laughs> offensive guard from, who played offensive guard in college football. The man looks like he's taking a shot or two in the face. Uh, the, the, he's distinctive. I love Tommy Lee Jones. Brad Pitt must have got his looks from who? His mother. Robin Wright Penn? I Robin mean, not Wright? every son looks like their father, right? <laughs> It's ridiculous. They look totally different. They they look, I mean, we look somewhat like our parents, even though we're a mix. There's nothing there. And I, usually, I don't have an issue. This is absurd. You get caught up in aesthetics this so much absurd. more than Because I got to suspend my disbelief because I want the movie okay, to be real. Okay, not every son looks like their father. It's ridiculous. All right. That's fine. I share your concerns. I do. There's reason. Or tell me he's adopted right in the trailer. <laughs> You gotta explain away so much nonsense. You don't, in this trailer. That has nothing to he do falls with from the space. movie. That argument has nothing to and do with the, the plot. Thing. When he falls from space, he's falling, sleeping, and then cut to a hospital bed. Like, wouldn't you tell us how that happened? You get that's your hook for the movie? This preposterous situation. Oh, we resolve it. Oh, we resolve <laughs> the shit out of that situation. And then we do a space drama. Somebody caught him. Somebody, he's terminal velocity just going down. He's got a he's got a terminal velocity parachute that doesn't burn up. Apparently, we've we've talked about numerous times before how there was a screening for a sci-fi movie in Hollywood that got canceled at the last second because the film was supposedly a mess. Everybody assumes that film to be at Astra. Mike, when those space shuttle things fall from the sky, it gets so hot. That those things are like, those hunks of junk yeah. are just in shambles right. when they... Well, like, maybe that's part of the mystery. I don't know. The human body would have been broken You sound like you're complaining about this, the plot not being explained thoroughly in the, in the trailer. If you're going to show nonsense <laughs> in the trailer, you better explain it in the trailer. Because well, that's nonsense. Regardless of all that... I feel it's kind of our duty now to see this in theaters. No, I well, don't because want it. It's going to get shat upon. Scott Mendelson of Forbes, he put this out there. He said that now that Disney is going to be keenly aware of what happens with Ford versus Ferrari and Ad Astra. And if both those movies flop with their relatively big budgets, yeah. that's only going to add fuel to the Disney fire to not make these types of movies anymore. I don't know. We'll have to start a what could have been Oscar uh, contenders from three years ago kind of thing with the, with these new movies. You, no, I don't want to. It doesn't make it. <laughs> I did not think your concerns were going to be that the son doesn't look like the father. I can understand the falling from Earth thing. That does. Yeah, that's a little something. All right. Fuck. You would be a, just like a burnt toast, <laughs> like a burnt piece of toast when he landed. Not in a hospital bed, still looking like Brad I pray Pitt. the twist of the movie is that he's not his father and that you have to walk through shame. 
I may, I won't, don't want to see this movie. It's I'm going to make you absurd. See it I'm going to kidnap you and put you in the theater now. <laughs> Loose also debuted. Ruin this one too. No, I'm intrigued by this one. Uh, I love Octavia Spencer. I love the fact that you got a psychological yeah. warfare going on between a teacher and a student. Like this seems more realistic to me than half. I of see the... your complaint coming up. You've lost all credibility. <laughs> Between the last one we just did and your complaint about this trailer, <laughs> you're off the reservation. No, 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 I'm right. But that's, <laughs> look, I'll forgive. I, like, maybe I won't love this movie because uh-huh. of this objection. Because I'm a track coach. Right. And the track in this trailer is just <laughs> absurdly bad. Like, he's looking up in his set, in his stance. What are we, in 1940? <laughs> what is, what's going on? And then he, he's running distance. And he's pumping his arms like it's, he's the T-1000, but he's obviously going slow. You're not supposed to pump your arms that big when you're running distance. You bring your arms back in. It's very, very obvious. So they, again, hire me. You know, I am I have value oh, yeah. as, a, as a consultant. <laughs> I'll be a yes man at Disney. I'll be uh, I'll be a track consultant. That's what Disney needs right now, too. It's more yes men. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, li- I like the fact that Next Best Picture, Matt Neglia says this is his favorite film yeah. of the year so far. He saw it at a festival. So, I mean, we can look forward to this. Maybe I'll have in- inane objections to, to, to the sports involved, but <laughs> it otherwise it looks good. It is getting a lot of love on film Twitter that I've seen from people that have seen it. Matt, you just name-dropped Neglia. Yes, he, he's very high on it himself. Uh, I think Octavia Spencer does get an, an Oscar nom out of this again. Oh, cool. It's unfair to say. I don't see why she wouldn't. But she seems like she's putting on another performance. And this seems to have more meat for her than the Shape of Water performance had for her. And she got nominated for that. I'm very bitter about Shape of Water still. And that's going to come up in our next trailer. All right. Well, let's do the uh, release date test with Luce. August 2nd. Yeah, but it's an indie. It's not a, it's not a big studio picture, I don't think so. August 2nd worries me. Yeah, not great. That worries me not a lot. Great. Julius Ona is the Cloverfield Paradox director. He's the director of Loose as well. I hope that's not an indication of what's to come from this. Again, Uh-oh. people are high on it. Oh, uh, people seem to like this oh movie. My God, so. I am so torn on this trailer. Like <laughs> The story is interesting, right? I mean, there's kind of like a... Oh, yeah. A, I don't know if it's called reverse racism. I don't know what to call it, but sure. there's some kind of thing going on, and there's definitely that mental tension between teacher and student. There's, a, there's enough there for an interesting film. Tim Roth, Octavia Spencer. I'm using my film critic voice again. I want to punch myself. <laughs> it's a good cast. It should be good. I hope it doesn't get in the Oscar conversation because somebody cites that the running form on the track wasn't good enough. It wasn't good enough. <laughs> Scary it's stories absurd. to tell in the dark. Go. <laughs> I love this whole trailer until the final monster reveal. Yeah, we shared similar concerns, although not at all similar concerns as well. (laughs) Scarecrow stuff seemed kind of cool. Now, are we over the Letterman jacket trope? Like, when is that going to have a backlash? Because whenever somebody has a Letterman jacket in a movie, they're an asshole. They're a bully. They're they're a high school cliche. And, uh, you know, a lot of the kids I work with have Letterman's jackets, and they're wonderful kids. You're just insulating your real-life expectations. Because real life... This doesn't apply to me. Real-life factors in. I got news for you, Mike. There's people out there that think your kids are assholes. (laughs) Perhaps. But, no, I, I know they're kids. They're great kids. So, look, I love the opening line. If you tell a story long enough, will it come? true i'm paraphrasing but that's intriguing it's an interesting way too to adapt an anthology source material to have it be an anthology in the movie yeah i think that's kind of cool that they're not breaking up the stories but they're 
involving them all into one arc. I, I, that's I love cool. a horror movie that's kind of got this meta theme where, all right, are these stories from our past? Is, is right. this a self-fulfilling prophecy for our future? And, you know, I mean, obviously it's a metaphor, so it kind of works right there. I love the story about the corpse looking for her lost toe. Very niche. <laughs> Very niche. Again, you know, a piece of toast. Maybe here it is, corpse. You know, find anything. Find a rock. Tape it on. I mean, be the mouse that helps the lion get the thorn out of its paw. Did seeing the last monster, <laughs> did that make you rethink how you thought about the first couple monsters? Yeah. Because the last monster is just a bald-headed Because I thought thing. the Scarecrow was cool at first, and then I saw the last monster, I'm like, oh, well, the Scarecrow does kind of look a little... Remember when the Crawlers, you had Blade 2, you had all these just orc monkeys coming out. Every movie was an orc <laughs> monkey movie. I know that's my term, or my brother's term. And it was just like all the movies, all the villains were the same. Yeah. And now you just, that's that's the, the character design? Just a bald man <laughs> with a warped face? Darn it. It was, it was so unique before yeah. that because you got the, in the hallway, that monster's terrifying. You got the corpse with the, so it was wonderful. You got the scarecrow with a really cool scarecrow with the legs like spread in a yeah. very awkward angle. And then the kid like punched There's it. creepy visuals for oh. sure. The Wikipedia page says there's only four monsters in this. So it kind of looks like every baddie that this film features is at least mentioned or shown in the trailer. Oh, the bugs? Ew. Yeah. Look, that was disgusting. Huh. I feel like I'm not as excited for this as I should be. Yeah. And I think it's in part due to Guillermo del Toro's attachment, because I'm just still very bitter about The Shape of Water beating out Get Out two years when ago. When he's done horror stuff, it's done well for me. I mean, it's fine. I mean, I don't think the movies are great, but I enjoy The end I of this movie part. should be him handing the Best Picture Oscar to Jordan Peele. <laughs> that should be the last I think you're getting your years confused. <laughs> Am I? No, I'm not. Oscar critic. I'm right. You're right. <laughs> I think my brain stopped. It just stopped working. It stopped functioning. Oh, what a ridiculous episode. <laughs> <laughs> this was ridiculous. But it was fun. It was fun. All right, guys. We want to know your thoughts, questions, concerns, comments about it, these stories. Anything else going on in the MMO empire, you can reach out to us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook. Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram. MM and Oscar on Twitter. Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com. And on Reddit, we are available everywhere. You hear podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, etc., etc. Michael, tell the good people what's coming up and some words of wisdom. Yeah, we're going to get into Toy Story 2, uh, which is the next installment in our Pixar rewatch. Boy, do I have some things to say about that. We're going to have Jackie Brown with the next installment in our Tarantino mm-hmm. film series rewatch. I think, perhaps, there's a Cars episode in our near future. <laughs> Jesus, I really we're should start it off. at some point. <laughs> so overworked. <laughs> well, we're, well, we're having a blast with yes. this stuff, and, uh, you know, we got... Uh, some new movies coming out we'll eventually review. Toy Story 4 being uh, the main one. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, of course, for July. So we're building you up to those. And, uh, yeah, get us those uh, Six Degrees submissions. Yeah. And keep making us laugh so much with these great responses to Six Degrees of MMO. I defy you to find any Oscars podcast that talked about the running form and loose, the Tonys, the New York Knicks offseason. <laughs> I defy you. To find another podcast. This was so weird, this episode. (laughs) Weirdest one yet. Well, that's why we say when reality sucks, you can come watch movies and get ridiculous with us. Uh, We were trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Enjoy your week. We will see you soon. See you.